Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. I sat down with Luke Coppa and Sam Shaheen here at the Blister headquarters at Elevation in beautiful Crested Butte to talk about a whole bunch of new skis. We discussed the convex base tech on the new Line Outline and Line Sir Francis Bacon, how Nordica's Enforcer 104 Free has been an answer to Luke Coppa's prayers, and how the forefront in Thane skis quite differently than you would expect from a lightweight ski. Also in this episode, I confess my change in perspective on lightweight inbound skis. Luke and Sam talk about their new article on outerwear care that is available on the website. And maybe most importantly, we reveal a socially critical topic for an upcoming Gear 30 episode, which will probably be the most unusual, but also probably the best blister review ever. And now that you are probably all super wound up and wildly excited, let me take a second here to say that this episode of Gear 30 is presented by Bentgate, our blister recommended shop in Golden, Colorado. A number of our reviewers and friends of ours have been going to Bentgate for years, so this is a shop that we know very well and that we highly recommend. For over 20 years, Bentgate has been the core climbing and ski shop for Denver and the Golden Area, and their passion and commitment to these sports is very real. Bentgate's staff is knowledgeable, they actually use the gear they sell, and they strive to offer outstanding customer service. Everybody these days likes to talk about quote-unquote community, but Bentgate is and always has been a truly community-oriented shop. So if you need climbing beta, info on conditions for ski touring, or if you're looking for a guide, stop into the shop or give them a call. Bentgate's staff are all avid climbers and skiers who will be more than happy to help you out. Finally, there's another thing that sets Bentgate apart, and that is their massive demo fleet. Bentgate provides demos for just about every single ski and snowboard they sell. And you can also demo touring boots and climbing skins, which is a pretty big deal these days as a lot of people are trying to get into this whole AT thing. So whether you connect with Bentgate in the shop or online at bentgate.com, we are extremely confident that you are going to have a great experience. And now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Luke and Sam. Well, gentlemen, we are here once again in the Blister headquarters at Elevation in Mount Crested Butte. Super gorgeous out there. We should probably be skiing right now, not recording this, but I blame Sam Shaheen. It's a long story. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I am here with Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa and our wonderful podcast producer, Luke Alley. So it is nice to have you here, Luke. Don't talk that. We got a thumbs up. We got a silent <laughs> thumbs up. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And so we are just going to get in it here. A lot of new products, a lot of interesting things. And we can start with, I guess, one of the most interesting skis, the new line outline. So this is a ski that is for next season going to be replacing the Mordecai and the Magnum Opus and Sam you've been spending the most time on this thing. And so why don't you tell us a bit about this outline? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a bunch of days on it in really, really good conditions actually. I've kind of been very fortunate in that. And it's uh, basically, it's a, it measures about 117 underfoot. Um, 
and it features Lion's new sort of dished out tips and tails. I don't, I don't know if they have a specific name. I think name they just call it Convex Base Tech yeah. or something like well, that. Yeah, we'll go with that, Convex Base Tech. Basically, they're, they, the, the like very tips and tails of the ski are convex. You know, they, like, they bubble out a bit. Um, kind of similar to Atomic's Horizon Tech or what we've seen on you know, wider DPS skis and things like that. But this is a bit of a different shape in that it's a single radius. Um, and it, I was really skeptical when I saw it at the show. I didn't think it was really going to do much. Yep. But getting on the ski, there's just kind of this distinct... We, we described the, the black ops this way as being tight loose, and there's kind of that same feeling on the outline. You know, it doesn't have very much taper at all. So you, when, you're, when you're on edge, there's a lot of edge in contact with the snow. But at the same time, you can really easily scrub speed, throw it sideways. You can steer it from the ankles really easily. It's lightweight, really playful, um, and it gives you a really interesting... Yeah, no, you no, hate this no, one. Here we go. We're about to fight. <laughs> it has a really interesting vibe on snow, like, and that's that's I think the best way to describe it is it's a distinct feeling that I don't get on other skis of this like kind of looseness in the tips and tails while still being like kind of I wouldn't say tenacious on edge and underfoot, but like confident. Okay, first of all, earlier you described it as having a cool vibe. Cool vibe is better words, yeah. No, I, it's I, not. I, no, I take it back. I want to go to, back to cool vibe. Can I, can I switch to cool vibe? Secondly, <laughs> that is definitely not the best way to describe basically anything. So, like, if you can't articulate it more than saying it has a cool vibe, well, there are other ski review publications <laughs> I'm going to go make you work for. In my defense, vibe, the vibe of it is this, like, tight looseness. Like, that's how it feels, but it's it's not. I mean, you can say a feeling, whatever. I don't know. I like the word vibe. Do your do your worst, Jonathan. <laughs> Luke Luke looks very skeptical as well, so I think you're no, Luke here. is no. Luke is just trying to find a better way to agree with me. Yeah, I'm just trying to phrase it a different way. But I think the bottom line is that both the outline and the new Sir Francis Bacon don't really feel like any other skis I've been on recently. Um, they do carve really well because they have a ton of side cut, really fat tips and tails. But when you do get them into some deeper snow, there is a distinctive looseness. I, I felt it most in the shovels when I was kind mm -hmm. of pressing into the front of the ski. They're just incredibly easy to throw sideways and just super, super playful. And I, I had only skied um, Atomics Horizon Tech, which was basically a beveled edge at the tips and tails of skis on the old Backland 109. And I had never really come to any conclusive uh, kind of agreement that it made any difference. Uh -huh. um, but I, I still want to get more time on them, but I'm pretty confident that the new outline and Sir Francis Bacon do feel distinctly different through the front of the ski. And I think the tails are a bit easier to wash out because they, yeah. they don't have crazy deep rocker profiles and they have a ton of side cuts, so they shouldn't necessarily be that easy to throw around, but they just are. Well, and one of the things that I, I think you touched on, you know, it is really easy to throw the ski sideways, but it's not like on some skis where the ski wants to go sideways necessarily. It's like you can throw it sideways and then push it back straight. It won't just go on It you. won't just go on you. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, exactly. not the best feeling. Yeah, it's pretty predictable. Yeah. So it, they're just, I think they're unique in that it's really easy to feather a whole wide variety of turns. Like mm -hmm. you can go from a hard carve to straight lining to a quick slash and just kind of transition between all those different turn types really easily. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord. The thing that I would be worried about, and you know, we have 
plenty of them here, like steep, wind-scoured, tricky traverses. You know, when DPS, when they came out with their spoon, they were like, yo, do not put this thing on firm snow, yeah. right? I don't hear you guys talking about, or maybe you haven't had them on the kind of, you know, we're going to go over into like some of the steeper, techier terrain at CB. I'm not hearing you complain about, you know, getting on that and finding those shovels or tails going on you. So is it maybe the case that where there is that convexity, it doesn't get in your way if you're hitting a steep wind scoured portion, but if you do sink that ski into some deeper snow, because that actually kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't think the convexity really engages at all in harder snow. Yep. It's so far up the tip, you know, like yep. it's way, so you, way above the rocker line, you know? So, I mean, which in a way then, because that would be my biggest reason why I wouldn't want that. And, and frankly, as we're about to talk about this for Francis Bacon next on an even narrower ski. But if it's the case that that thing is out of the way and out of play until you get it sunk into deeper mm -hmm. snow, then it makes a lot of sense what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and I do think that that's a pretty pretty fair representation. I think it is out of the way. And when you sink in, into deeper snow, it engages and you get that, you get that feeling. You're, you're welcome, dear listeners. We, we, we got Sam to say something smarter than cool vibe. <laughs> so you're, you, you can, I don't know, you can send me a thank you note later for that. Should we move on? Yeah. Let's just go to then to this narrower ski from line that also has this convexity or convex base tech, whatever we just started calling it. Um, this line, Sir Francis Bacon. And Luke, you've been putting more time on this one. Yeah, I think I think I have like five days on it at this point. The funny thing for me is like I had never skied a bacon before. It's been around for over a decade in several different variations. But it's a light ski, it's not very stiff, um, has a decent amount of rocker and has a minus two mount point. So really not what I typically like to ski and based on what our other reviewers have said about the current bacon, which isn't all that different on paper, still pretty light. Um, I thought I was gonna hate it, but I've had way more fun than I expected on the ski. It's to me like you've got skis on one end of the spectrum that are really stable and make skiing really fast, very fun. And then you have skis on the other side of the spectrum that are definitely not as stable, but they're so playful that their design just seems to make sense. And that's what the bacon is to me right now. It's like, like so energetic, really forgiving. Um, it carves really well because you can just bend the entire ski, even though it's from the middle of it. And then, yeah, when we got it into some fresh snow yesterday, it had that same kind of surfy loose feeling of the outline and Overall, it's just made like going a bit slower or trying to find transitions or small little jumps way more fun than any other ski I've been on recently. Hmm. Yeah. And it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. The white graphic is really cool. Hard to find in the snow if you backflip and double eject. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Luke, say yeah. more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people can see that on the internet. <laughs> yep. Is it at Luke Kappa? Yeah. Yeah, it might be worth your time. Uh, taking a look uh, this week, if you haven't before, uh, on the old gram. Nordica Enforcer 104 free. Do you want me to do it? No. Uh, <laughs> no. I can start. Sam's uh, wrong about this, so Luke and I will just talk about this. Yeah, so, I mean, one of my all-time favorite skis is the Enforcer 110. And when they, we actually said on a podcast like months ago, I was like, I'd be really happy if they came out with an Enforcer 105 that looked like the 110. 
I don't think they heard that conversation or they had already figured it out beforehand, but the 104 Free is basically a narrower Enforcer 110. It's got a bit of a twin tail, still quite heavy, pretty stiff, um, but all in all, so far, it's basically been everything I hoped for. It's like the Enforcer 110, but better on firm snow, a bit stronger, I think, um, but still maintains a bit of playfulness that just makes, for me, I, I like to ski fast when I want to, but I also like to mess around on side hits and stuff. And just having a ski with that, with that slightly raised tail makes it a little easier to release. And it's not a crazy burly flex pattern, or at least it doesn't feel as stiff on snow as kind of we expected given how stiff it hand flexes. Um, and then moved the bindings forward a little bit and that made it feel even more playful. Um, so yeah, bottom line is I'm very, very happy with the ski so far. Hmm. Well, it's interesting to hear because I haven't hand flexed it, but it doesn't feel very stiff mm -hmm. on snow. No. I mean, it's very like accessible. You know, you can, yep. you can bend it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually, it's, if hand flex is stiffer than the Enforcer 100. Um, okay. Like significantly stiffer, especially in the tails. But yeah, it's not a very demanding ski. No. No, it's that, it's that nice blend of, you know, there is some weight in the ski. It's not a super burly flex pattern. And yeah, I mean, it, it is accessible, but on like steep, wind scoured lines like i don't have any reservations about it i'm still for me waiting to kind of open it up like really open it up it seems like when i've been on it i've either been on groomers and carving it and i do feel like you notice the strength of the tail mm -hmm. when carving that ski like it it does not give up on you yeah, like you can that. power out of that tail but i think i've been in such kind of steeper techier stuff where you're not just opening up I don't yet have a sense of like the top end of that ski. Yeah, I would say it's not like a super burly charger. Like you can find the speed limit if the groomers are big, long, steep, and pretty roughed up. Um, it, but I think for like the vast majority of people, stability will not be an issue on that. And I'm not worried yeah. about the 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 groomer top end of the ski. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about like coming through off piece steep lines that are moguled up, but where you've, you can actually let the ski run, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And I, I mean, I, well, coming out of, um, cesspool the other day here at CB, I mean, I let the thing run and it was, it was a bit deeper snow than the ski wanted to be in. Uh -huh. Um, but the ski did not fold. I will say that like mm -hmm. the ski felt composed. It was me that was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's been a a real pleasant one for for Luke and me. And I mean, do you want to comment? Do you have? Do you want to comment? Like, as as it sometimes happened, right? We don't have to have unanimous agreement on this. Yeah. But you maybe are not quite with Luke and me on this. Well, I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think it's I think it is a good ski, and it it fills the role that I think Nordica was trying to make it fill. And I think a lot of people get along well with it. But that said, it doesn't really jive with me as well as some other skis. Like it's just, it's it's a lot more planted than I, it has more planted vibe. Oh God, <laughs> this is the last. Well. No, but this, the ski feels a lot more planted than than skis that I kind of like. It, it doesn't have the, the energy and the rebound of, of skis like, like like the Soul 7 or the Mantra or you know, like some of these skis that, that do have a lot of energy. Um, and for me, that makes it a little more work to ski, especially in tight, techy terrain and stuff like that. So even though it doesn't 
it doesn't mesh with my style. It's not like the ski I'm going to reach for. Yeah. I can appreciate the ski, you know? Yeah. Cool. We won't talk about it right now. We did write a flash review on the site about the Enforcer 104 free versus the Fisher Ranger 102 FR. FR. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so read that. Become a Blister member if you aren't already because our flash reviews are really good and you can check out that comparison. I don't think we'll go into that right now, but those are still two skis we're very high on mm -hmm. at the moment. And I'm looking forward to getting, I haven't done that direct AB yet. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good excuse to take out really two really good skis yeah. and have a lot <laughs> yeah. of fun. Let's talk about the forefront in Thane. I'm gonna let Luke start because this is one of his favorite names of a ski ever, I think. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Thane Rich is a forefront rider and ski builder who the Thane is his pro model. Uh, Thane has a bit of a lisp, um, which I think makes the name really hilarious and the fact that he wants to poke fun of himself is awesome. Hmm. The ski is, I think Sam and I have both been pretty happy with it. We both spent a couple days on it and um, I mean, the surprising thing for me was it's a light ski. It's a 188, one, a little over 116 underfoot, but it weighs just over 2,000 grams. Um, so it weighs like the same as that 185 line outline, but it feels big. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the rocker profile and the side cut. It's a mostly, it's technically reverse camber, but it's mostly flat and it's also quite straight. Uh, it's a 25 meter radius, but it almost feels like it's longer than that. It feels, feels real straight. Yeah, yeah, so basically as soon as you tip it over, you have a lot of ski on edge. Um, but the nice thing is, I think because it has a decent amount of tip and tail splay, and the, tip, the very ends of the tips and tails are pretty soft, it's still easy to pivot and slide around, and it is not that heavy. Um, but when you get it up to speed, it stayed way more composed than I expected, given how light it is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, the ski is strong. Mm -hmm. Like underfoot, in front of the binding, behind the binding, like there's- Most of the ski. Most yeah. of the ski is pretty stiff. Yeah. And so I felt really comfortable just kind of pushing it. Like you could you could ski the thing pretty hard comfortably. I mean, we were talking about it earlier today. It feels kind of like a lighter CBC. Prior CBC. Prior CBC, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's straighter than the CBC and it's a little, it's lighter for sure. And- um, It's definitely longer. Longer, yeah, and and the mount points further back, but it all those things aside. But we swear, like all those totally things aside, it's exact same. It um, has this. It, it like it, don't it, say you almost said it for the third time. I would definitely punch you if you. Yeah, I wasn't gonna say it, but now I might. No, <laughs> no but it it feels similar on snow. It, yeah. it it wants a similar stance. It it wants a similar style of skiing, and. I don't know. I really, I really dig it. I think the ski is really fun. Yeah, it's just, it's strong, but it's light, and it's pretty stable for its weight, but it's still pretty easy in tighter terrain, and it feels super solid on landings. Mm -hmm. um, I would have appreciated that ski today. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> yeah. Might also be a reason, maybe a forthcoming reason to check out Luke's Instagram account. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Next up. The J Ski's friend in a 183 centimeter. The first thing that we need to say is this is one of my favorite top sheet graphics that like I've seen in a while. I think this thing is beautiful. I, I keep looking at this ski and, and it's been kind of funny because Luke and Sam are both like, 
I'm like, that's my new favorite ski. And they're like, we don't think that's really your style of ski. And I'm like, I think you're wrong. Look at that top sheet. And it might be kind of an optical illusion, but that ski actually looks really straight too. So I'm the only one here who's yet to spend any time on it. And I'm holding out this hope that this is like, you know, a new favorite of mine. The peanut gallery keeps telling me might not might not happen given everything I've said about skis for the last eight years. But anyway, um, let's talk about this thing. For yeah. people who've actually skied well, it. Well, I, I haven't skied it, actually. This okay, just Luke. Luke. Yeah. This yeah. is on Luke. So, Cy yeah. Whitling, has, he reviewed the 189, um, which Jay nicknamed the Big D. Um, <laughs> so, we got on the 183 this week. Um, and the one thing it does uh, kind of share with your ski preference is, well, high weight. It's a little over 2,200 grams for the 183. And it's a... It's a moderate flex pattern. I wouldn't call it super soft or super stiff anywhere. It just kind of starts off, ramps up slowly. Um, and overall, I think it's just a very intuitive powder ski. Um, I would, I think I would want something a bit longer. Um, you want the what, big D. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You heard uh, it here first, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we referred to before, I, I ended up, like punching front a few times today. Um, and I mean, the snow was very deep and very heavy. Um, but in terms of, I mean, just kind of cruising around all sorts of terrain on a powder day, it was super easy. Um, but the nice thing was that, like, unlike the Outline or some of these other really light pow skis, the friend d is quite damp. So if you run into some hard pack or Abbey debris or something like that, it's not like throwing you around. It, I think it has a really big sweet spot. I think like most J skis yeah. have um, yeah. that we've reviewed. And yeah, I, I, to me, it seems like kind of a very good pow ski for a intermediate to advanced to expert skier who wants something that's intuitive and very forgiving, but that's not gonna like buck them around if they get into some rough snow. Um, it doesn't have the stiffness, I think, to just absolutely blast through chop but at anything less than like really high speeds it was just very comfortable and predictable hmm. yeah so it sounds like what we need to do i mean we're planning to send the 183 to Sai, so he can kind of talk about the 189 versus 183 it sounds like we need to get that 189 Trade back here yeah yeah so Sai, if you're listening we're, we're coming after some skis <laughs> It also kind of makes me want to talk to Jay about like, let's just put, cause I am like, I, so far I kind of am into given a lot of the terrain we're spending our time in here. Like I am liking the idea more than maybe ever before of like shorter wide skis. So man, just put some more tetanol in this thing, <laughs> stiffen it up a bit. No, uh, I, I mean, I think for everything other than drops, the yeah. the length of the ski was fine. Um, yeah, it was just landing in deep snow, being a bit forward. You just need some tip out in front of you when you're when you're jumping off cliffs as big as the ones Luke was jumping <laughs> off today. <laughs> Diving headfirst into the snow yeah. as deep as that. Next up, this is going to be a quick sort of apology slash admission slash confession from me about lightweight skis. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, this is, this will not be long, but 
I spent this past weekend basically, I, I, I tweaked out my back a bit. And so was like, okay, well, this is a good opportunity to like not rage. And so I actually spent like maybe more time than I have in quite a while, admittedly, skiing like green and blue groomers. And I kind of just came to the conclusion, like, you know, actually, I, you know, I do not like lightweight inbound skis. That is not my thing. And I, and I've argued that it's just stupid and doesn't really help anybody. But that day, just skiing low angle, wide open, beautiful groomers. And by the way, I will props like to CB, like they are very nice groomers here. I was just like, you know, if that's really where you enjoy spending your time, and I think a lot, a lot of people do, honestly, I was like, I actually don't think there is a clear downside to having a lighter weight front side carver because you're just really not able to reach the kind of speeds where that ski kind of starts wobbling or falling apart at speed. And so I think that actually is a pretty important caveat that I'm going to be thinking more about, you know, I think it is the case that when we have been testing skis on groomers, we're looking at steeper, more pitched out groomers where you can really fly. And one, I just think there's hundreds of thousands of skiers that that's not what they do. And it's not what they're looking for. And it's not what they care about. And so I do think it's one, I want to acknowledge that. I think that's totally fine. And if that's your jam, that's awesome. And I do think that I need to take a closer look in some of these reviews. I'm going to pay more attention, frankly, in thinking about what is this, if it's a lighter inbound ski, how is it performing on mellow groomers? You don't have to just go rage. So anyway, that's the end. I'm not going to like flog myself or anything. I mean, <laughs> Thanks though. We, we appreciate it. Yeah. It's first time in eight years I've been wrong about something. So, <laughs> so I you know, wanted to get that on record. Okay, almost done. I wanted to ask you guys put together what I think was a pretty impressive piece about taking care of waterproof jackets and pants and taking care of down jackets. And these are pieces that basically every single person listening to this podcast owns one or all of those things. So one, you all should, if you haven't already, go read this piece. What the title did we end up giving it? How, How to, to care for your waterproof outerwear and down jackets. Something like that. Yeah. Super, super succinct, punchy, <laughs> yeah, really catchy, catchy title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you guys want to talk about this for a second? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I think, yeah, go read it. There's this weird stigma in the outdoor industry for some reason that like washing your gear is going to ruin it or somehow you're going to like mess it up. And um, really, I think the most important takeaway from the art from the article is that, yeah, wash your stuff. Yeah, It's better for it in pretty much every single way. Um, and we just go through in the article how to do it for each of each of the pieces and a little bit of like the nitty gritty about why clean is better. Um, but yeah, check it out. Wash your gear. We thank you. Your significant others. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone's within Anyone five within, feet of you. <laughs> Anyone in the lift line. Yeah. 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 And you'll thank yourself because your stuff will breathe better, will be more waterproof, Last will longer. insulate better. Yeah, you had, you had an anecdote, Luke. Yeah, so we, we had been talking about this for a while and we've been meaning to do it for a while and um, kind of what really got us going recently <laughs> was uh, I was visiting family and one of my cousins who I had recommended a down jacket to... Um, 
about four years ago. Uh, saw him this past Christmas, and his jacket was very dirty. I know he uses it a lot. And he was complaining or just kind of asking me, he's like, man, my, like, my down jacket's not as warm anymore. Uh, I don't know if he mentioned the smell, but I have to imagine. Uh, was he wearing it as you were talking? I, I couldn't smell it, okay. but... Um, and then he's like, yeah, and like the fabric's really dirty and it's not repelling water anymore. And I, I asked him the simple question, like, well, have you washed it? And he's like, uh, no. And four, four years was how long he had it. It's a long um, time. And honestly, like, I know other people who will go that long without washing it or they just will never wash it because they're scared they're going to ruin it for some reason. But down and waterproof fabrics and anything treated with a DWR basically washing it while it might be a little bit more involved than your typical laundry, it's definitely worth it. He called me up like a week or two later. He's like, it's so much better (laughs) and it's loftier, warmer, much cleaner, I'm sure. Um, So yeah, please wash your stuff. Well, like I'll even admit when when Luke called me and told me the story, we were like, okay, yeah, we're going to do the piece. Like we got a date and whatever. And I was like, okay, I've been putting off washing one of my down jackets for years because I was just nervous about it, you know, like I've heard stories and whatever, and it's like, but you know, bit the bullet, went and did it. Like I've done sleeping bags and jackets before, but this was my like my favorite jacket, you yeah. know? And uh, it turned out great. Yeah. Was there anything, you, so the anxiety was just about the act of washing it or was there something about the process in particular that was like, I'm gonna screw this up? No, it's just like, it's just that 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 stigma in the outdoor industry of like washing your stuff is, is scary. It, it it's it's just seeped into me, even though I know everything, like I know, and I wrote the article, like yeah. you should wash your stuff. Yeah. I literally wrote the article, but I was still scared. Yeah, yeah, I think it's especially true with down, cause like it's been so just drilled into our minds that like down loses its loft when it gets wet. And like, so you want me to toss it in a vat of water? And yeah. That's just very counter- counterintuitive, but yeah. with some drying, often several cycles and some tennis balls, um, yeah, it works out and your jacket's fine. Good as new. Good as new. Better than new. Or better than it was before. <laughs> well, it has sentimental value. So yeah. in that sense, yes, better than new. <laughs> well, I think we can leave it here, except for the fact that we have an extremely exciting announcement uh, about an upcoming episode of Gear 30. I don't really know how or why I pulled this off or what exactly happened, but I somehow have gotten Sam Shaheen to agree in an upcoming episode to do a sort of blister review of Tinder. So this is definitely going to be like the best episode of Gear 30 ever. We've had some pretty hilarious conversations about this topic. And again, I don't exactly know when this is going to go, but if you were wondering whether you should keep subscribing to Gear 30, the answer is 100% yes. Stop right now. <laughs> Don't listen to it. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> so um, I can't wait for that. But gentlemen, thank you for uh, shedding light on this new group of skis. Man, it's been snowing like crazy around here in CB, and we'll keep getting out on stuff, and it uh, should be good times. So to the silent Luke Alley, thank you so much for being here. And on that note, we will talk to you all again very soon. That's it for this edition of Gear 30, but before we go, I want to remind you that the next installment of the Blister Speaker Series at Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado, is on February 28th at 6 p.m. So come join us for a live interview and Q&A that I will be doing with the remarkable explorer, adventurer, expedition guide, and climate educator, Eric Larson. 
Thanks for listening, and if you're enjoying these episodes, we'd very much appreciate it if you would, first, leave us a nice little rating or some feedback in iTunes, and second, please tell your friends who could stand to up their knowledge about gear about this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.